Introducing your hosts with wit beyond measure, Michael, loyal and just, Haley, ambitious and cunning, Shelby, daring and chivalrous, Savannah. Welcome to Hold My Butterbeer, a podcast about all things Wizarding World canon. In this episode, there is use of strong language, and also there is a trigger warning for abuse and homophobic and transphobic ideologies. Hello, everyone. Tonight's episode, we are covering a little bit more than we did the last time we talked about J.K. Rowling and her need to tweet harmful things. And tonight, actually, Shelby did a tremendous amount of work uh, researching and gathering all the facts. So a little shout out to her. And uh, hopefully this is insightful. With everything going on in the nation right now, we've got a global pandemic that's keeping everyone at home and making everyone afraid. Uh, We've got the Black Lives Matter movement, which is advocating for change. We've got protests going across the country and across the world. Um, I saw something today that like this is the world's largest civil rights movement um, this past week as of this recording because of the sheer number of all 50 states and the countries around the world are participating. And this is the week that JK Rowling decided that she needed to get back on Twitter to uh, let us all know her thoughts about uh, transgender people and gender in general. Nothing like tone deaf. She said, yes, but what about me? And so we want to start out this conversation uh, and this recording today uh, acknowledging our privilege. We are all four white cisgender people. And so we recognize that we don't have the transgender experience and we aren't transgender and that we're speaking on that issue in our episode tonight. So we acknowledge that and we've done everything we can to listen to trans voices and to bring what they have to say to the recording tonight. Um, so we appreciate everyone on social media has been sharing against these just harmful, harmful messages. There's really, that's it. They're harmful. You can't argue against that. Um, some people have tried to, but you're not going to be hearing those arguments here on this episode. I don't think any of us are going to sit here and, and defend her on this one. Anyone that would, I would say maybe rethink that stance. And I think a little info on people that are defending her. I don't think that they actually understand mm-hmm. she is saying in these tweets. I don't think the casual Harry Potter fan that thinks that this is being blown out of proportion and she has a right to her opinion. And in theory, yes, she does have a right to her opinion. However, when you have a global platform that so many people follow you around the globe, you don't get to say harmful things to a marginalized group of people and think that it's okay. People look to you and like, you know, people are influenced by her opinion and it's extremely harmful and irresponsible of her to be putting out this kinds of messaging. And as Harry Potter fans and as people with a platform with this podcast and with our social media presence, we feel that it's necessary to stand up and speak out and make sure that this just doesn't get brushed under the rug because it's definitely not okay. And just bringing back what we said about everything going on in the world and people literally fighting for their lives. The black community is literally fighting for their lives right now. This was never an appropriate thing for her to tweet ever, but it was immense. Immensely terrible right now. It's totally deflecting from all the good work people are doing in protests to like like Savannah just said to make it about her. Before we dive in, I just wanted to make that clear too. 
Yeah, this was extremely uncalled for on any level, but to make this moment about her and feel the need to be heard is just absolutely unacceptable. And this is the kind of stuff that she does regularly and people don't even think about. So not only is her opinion incorrect and she shouldn't be posting that on her platform, the timing during Pride Month also. So not only is there a global pandemic that's not being covered by the media because of the movement that's happening, which is incredible and should be happening. And lucky for the nation, we there is a global pandemic. So there are more people able to go protest, which is amazing. She chose now to talk about her feelings, which are just incorrect. And it's not a discussion she's willing to have. She's not willing to talk about it. She wants you to hear how she feels and agree with her. So it's not even a constructive conversation, but she's choosing this time to completely derail all the good that's happening because she feels obligated to tear down a different marginalized community in the middle of Pride Month. Absolutely. And then like Shelby, this is a good lead into all the hard work she's done with um, all the research. She's just living in an echo chamber. She's just listening to people that agree with her. She's ignoring her fans that are deeply distraught by this. I can't can't imagine how it would feel. Just can't imagine how it would feel to have your hero say you're 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 not valued, which is essentially what she's saying. So horrible. And we we did have this conversation in uh, January. We had an episode come out with her last uh, tirade. But this and we had mentioned uh, earlier when we were speaking together today that then we were pretty sad Um, We felt very, very sad for the community. Uh, And tonight, I think we're a little fierier. We're a little bit more angry. So if you'd like a lead-in conversation, I would recommend going to listen to our first episode. Um, And this one's going to be a little heavier, to say the least, I think. Yeah, that would be episode 5.5, where um, JKR's tweet. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. I guess one of the first things that we should probably cover is what is a turf? It's a word that we keep throwing around. Some people think it's a slur. It's not. TERF stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminist, and they go by a different name in their own circles. Um, They like to call themselves gender-critical feminists. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Okay, sorry, continue. Hard to practice feminism, true feminism, when it's not intersectional and and you don't actually support all women. Let's get down to their beliefs. So gender critical feminists or TERFs believe that transgender people erode women's rights. And at the core of their beliefs is the idea that sex is binary, as in male and female, and they focus intensely on sex and insist that it cannot be changed. And they also believe that the only women are people who are born with XX chromosomes. They also believe that gender was created by the patriarchy solely to oppress women. This is one of my favorites. Love a, love a good conspiracy theory. They perceive trans women as trying to infiltrate and divide women's community by entering it. They see the existence of trans men and gender queer people as a tool concocted by the patriarchy to legitimize trans women. And they also believe that trans men have taken the easy way out by avoiding the oppression of the patriarchy. Oh God. Yeah, because that's that's exactly what they did. They were like, you know what would be great? I'm just going to change my gender completely just so that I don't have to deal with the patriarchy. That's a lot to unpack. That's a whole lot. I know. 
Okay. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so we got the beginning. We got, so we've seen a lot uh, on Twitter. We've seen a lot on social media. Um, the people in support of she who must not be named saying, okay, so, so sex is based on chromosomes, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's where we start. Sex is based on chromosomes. Uh, so XX, that's where you're a woman. And okay. So then gender was created by the patriarchy to oppress women. So we believe in science when it says that only these people are women, but it's the patriarchy when it's used. I don't understand. I don't understand how there can be so much disconnect between those two concepts. And that's the thing. The the way that they define their own, I, I almost said feminism, but the way that they define their own radical feminism, it's chock full of contradictions. Turfs love throwing around terms like biological fact biological sex and don't at all don't at all acknowledge intersex people or Mm -hmm. gender mosaic nothing like that and any scientist worth their salt would tell you that calling it binary is i mean i said in the last episode is a gross oversimplification of sex Mm -hmm. so we've we've got so many contradictions just layered on top of each other i feel like you shouldn't even be allowed to talk about science when you (laughs) talk about (laughs) like they they can't back it up they pretend they can and they love to use the word science and immutable and irrefutable facts they don't have those they're not boasting those it's like have they ever heard of Kleinfelter syndrome like xxy chromosomes like what do you do with that huh or the sry gene which is really what makes you male or female if you're like talking genetics and everything it's nonsense When I was having Shelby kind of explain on a much simpler level for me, like what they believe and what their big issue is, I I tried to get her to tell me like, so what, what is it that they want? And Shelby had explained (laughs) total domination. um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what, you know, what is it? Why are they mad? Like what's, what's their problem? And she had explained that a lot of it is if you are a transgender female, they, but you're passing, if you look cis passing, then they don't care and they don't want, but they don't want you to talk about it. And so my thing with that, and that kind of goes hand in hand with her saying she was offended by the term people who menstruate. Me and Haley had also had the same thought. Like, I don't want to be defined by my ability to carry children. So the only reason I'm fem- I'm female is because I can bear children. which is which is disgusting like that's not a real like what what does that even mean and there are plenty of people who menstruate that don't identify as female but they were born that way like yeah sorry i don't have like an end to that rant i was just very frustrated (laughs) because it there's no real it's very contradictory and on multiple multiple levels everything that they say is extremely contradictory because it's all just the face value for them yeah. It's whether or not you're like visually okay by them. And how is that not sexist to say that a woman is only a woman because she's like got a uterus or she's like can birth a child? Like that is <laughs> that doesn't define womanhood. <laughs> no. That doesn't that define you as a woman. That's disgusting. And that's and terribly some- sexist. Exactly. And some women had said um, in response to her saying that, like, I love when TERFs remind me that I can't bear children. So 
what about the women who have all of their parts that you claim that we need to be able to claim womanhood, but they don't work because that's not fair either. Like, so if they don't work, am I still a woman? When you go to menopause, are you done being a woman? Yeah, someone let my mom know that who's had a hysterectomy that she's no longer a woman because she doesn't have any of those bits. So hundreds of thousands of women deal with infertility issues. And that's like a true a truly harmful and, and difficult thing psychologically that they go through and like the desire for children, but I, I can't conceive and all of the things that they go through, like hormones and all of those steps. And these turf people like say, well, your, your womanhood is defined by that. Like what, what the hell is that? It's offensive. That's what it is. Unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. Sorry, Shelby. Continue. No, no sorries, please. All of these, all of these thoughts are valid. You know, it's not valid TERF's opinions on what sex and gender is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the mad state still. No, you're good. Okay, so to get down to the nitty gritty, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, J.K. Rowling decided to release a chapter each day from her children's bedtime story, The Ichabog. In an international contest that coincides with these releases, children are meant to get creative and submit their drawings of characters, different scenes in the story. And at the end of all of this, publishers will pick and choose which of these illustrations will make it into the final print of books in the fall. And in the meantime, parents have been uh, encouraged to tweet their children's drawings to JK Rowling. And what she's been doing is she's been retweeting them and adding commentary, you know, good job. So and so I love your Prince Fred or King Fred, whatever his name is. But on the morning of May 29th, uh, JKR tweeted a transphobic quote and the word fuck in response to a nine year old's artwork. Horrible. Great job. Would anyone like to read the tweet just so we can all be on the same page? I I know it's hard that we don't have visuals, but I think we're going to have to make a blog post with all of the receipts for this. Yeah, for sure. Um, The tweet reads, I love this truly fabulous Ichabog with its bat ears, mismatched eyes, and terrifying blood-stained teeth exclamation point. In court, Wolf claimed the Facebook post in which he'd said he wanted to fuck up some turfs was just bravado. Hashtag the Ichabog. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Oh boy. With the picture of the uh, nine-year-old's drawing directly underneath it. Yeah, like a retweet of it. Yeah. Right. So quickly after, she corrected that tweet and followed it up with another message where she apologized and said, sorry about the random and totally unconnected sentence that made its way in there. I accidentally pasted in part of a very un message I just received with a wide eyes emoji. So a few things. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now looking back, I do not believe that this was an accident. Personally, that's my own hot take. I don't think that it accidentally made its way in. Because the hashtag is at the end. Uh Correct. The Ichabog hashtag is after the accidental copy and paste that she wrote. Like you, you, it takes effort to paste something. And like we discussed in our last episode, it's like she had been off Twitter for like almost a year until she tweeted that tweet that we talked about in the last episode. And it's like, she really had to have meant that tweet to like come back to Twitter to say that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel like this is like her number one cause now is being like anti-transgender. Like it it like has, it's like in the forefront of like uh, her mind it's just like everything 
thing I've like she's done past this tweet is just it's just ugh. it just seems to be like her number one cause at the moment. So I can I can see what Savannah's saying 100%. It's an agenda, basically. Right. Yes. That's how I feel about it. I feel like it's none of this is accidental. This is all like because this is what she wanted to do. So I thought maybe it's worth it to touch on some backstory for this. If we are to understand the nature of this tweet and why it sparked outrage outside of, hey, you just tweeted a transphobic message and a slur to a nine-year-old. We should probably unpack what this is about. So I did some digging and the person in question, Wolf, is a reference to a transgender woman named Tara Wolf, who became a target after an altercation with a self-styled gender-critical woman named Maria McLaughlin. The event uh, that basically got Tara Wolf's name out into the open and what started all of the TERFs attacking her years ago happened on September 13th, 2017. So I'm just going to dive in and give everyone some backstory here. Roughly 50 TERFs, or gender-critical feminists, but TERFs, because that's what they are. Roughly 50 TERFs agreed to meet at a secret location in London, which we now know was Hyde Park, for a public meeting titled, We Need to Talk About Gender. Maria McLaughlin said in an interview that during their meeting, student-y-looking types had turned up and began to engage and everyone began to argue over the rights of trans women. The student-y looking types were trans people and trans allies. In a video that you can watch on YouTube, and we're going to have to link people to that because it's it's all pretty clear. You can see the footage yourself. In the video, they began to chant, when TERFs attack, we fight back. And Maria McLaughlin can actually be seen in the footage along with other TERFs who were chanting, lesbian, not queer. Maria was recording the events and holding her camera aloft in the face of other people. And in the video, the camera leaves her for a moment. And when she returns into view, she has her grip on a person who's being held by their backpack or by the back of their shirt. It's kind of hard to see. And the person that's being held is struggling to escape from her grasp. McLaughlin actually later admitted to pulling back this person's hood. So onlookers would be able to photograph this person's face. And I, I, I'm saying this person because I don't know who this person is and they're not really in any of the, the coverage of this story. In the video, as this person is thrashing, we see that Tara Wolf rushes in, strikes McLaughlin, and helps the struggling person to get away. McLaughlin, after being knocked to the ground, stands up at the end of the video as someone shouts to call the police. So this altercation happens. Obviously, there's video footage of it. The police were called, and I'm assuming that McLaughlin pressed charges. What kind of bothers me about this is uh, the photos that they had taken of all of the trans people and their and trans allies. That's what they ended up using to like work with the police to find Tara Wolf. So they went to court over this. On her blog, McLaughlin says herself that she ended up on the ground but suffered only scraped knees and some bruising to her face, but she didn't go to the hospital. Her 120-pound digital camera was damaged and the memory card was stolen from it. That's I'm sorry, did you say a 120-pound digital camera? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Pound like 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 money in England. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I don't get that at all. Okay. Sorry, guys. Continue. This is all in England, by please, the way. Please Sorry. leave that in. <laughs> 
So her 120-pound digital camera was damaged and the memory card was stolen. And Wolf explained publicly and in court that she was terrified that any footage would be used to out her as transgender and that she had acted in self-defense. Ultimately, Wolf was found guilty, but district Judge Kenneth Grant said, in quotes, I find it matters of sentence. This is a case of low culpability and low harm. And he ordered to pay her 430 pounds in fines. Um, uh, Wolf to pay the turf that much money. I think her and possibly the court as well, 430 pounds was the sum total. But they okay. they did break it down into like what each increment was for in the article I read. I can put that link up as well. Okay. But that was what Tara Wolf had to pay. Correct. So Wolf was found guilty. So I also think that it's worth noting before we talk further about JKR's tweet and sort of unravel all the the problems in it, that during this trial in court, McLaughlin had been advised by her by her legal team. They insisted that she refer to Tara as she, her, meaning her chosen pronouns, her Tara Wolf's pronouns in court. And while she did do it a few times, she had written on her blog that after a while, she simply couldn't anymore and started using he, him, I guess, Ugh. under under intense stress in court. She couldn't keep it up. It's also worth noting that Dr. Julia Long, a radical lesbian feminist activist, boy, is that a mouthful, was there in support of Murray McLaughlin in the courtroom. And after the judge passed his verdict, Dr. Julia Long had shouted, uh, guilty, guilty, violent, the man is guilty, I don't care. And then she went up to the court's balcony and shouted from the balcony, guilty, guilty of male violence. And Pay attention to the male violence thing, because we're going to talk a little bit later about how that's something that TERFs love using. J.K. Rowling, a couple of days ago, was on about male violence. I understand that it's wrong to hit people. I don't think that anybody here necessarily wants to go out and smack a 60-odd-year-old grandmother in the face. However, I will say that I can kind of get behind the idea that, that Tara Wolf was in fear, was worried about defending herself and uh, and her privacy. Something that's really upsetting is um, TERFs love using this tactic of photographing and taking video of trans people so that they can basically dox them on the internet. And without those photos, I mean, they probably would have never found Tara Wolf to begin with after this event and whatever. If nobody had cameras on them that day, how are you going to find a single, you know, white blonde woman of a slight build around London, a major metropolitan city? So internet doxing is like a huge thing with TERFs. So when TERFs photograph people and dox them, generally, like, they'll they'll use the internet to their advantage. They try to spread that far and wide. They want everyone to know that, that they're trans. And there's this emphasis on, like, trying to prove that uh, the person is, like, a fake or a fraud because they're lying about their identity. Sometimes Awful. they try to spin it like they're mentally ill or... Hiding is that, is that illegal? Random website I found, like, doxing is totally unethical and illegal under state criminal laws. It's a crime and mm-hmm. can lead to serious legal consequences like imprisonment if you get caught harassing others and sharing their private information. Okay, so it, it, it at least falls under harassment and everything. Right. But beyond the fact that it's illegal, TERFs want trans and genderqueer people to be doxed. They want 
their employers and their family and their friends to see this and effectively out them to everyone in their life, whether that person wants to be outed or not, which jeopardizes their safety. I mean, it has the potential to make life hell for them. And we looked it up and it is illegal in the US and it's illegal in the UK. So how are they getting away with that then? Is it like, did they spin this because Tara fought back? I mean, sorry, so if you don't thing- have the answer to that, you don't have to answer it. I was just No, no, speaking. it's fine. I think think what I'm feeling like happened here, they didn't even get a chance to like dox Tara Wolf because they had her identified. They, I mean, they worked with the police for weeks, I read, to use the photos and the videos that were taken in Hyde Park that day. And ultimately, that's how they found Tara. Sorry, I'm saying Tara. That's how they ultimately found Wolf. I don't know her. I shouldn't call her by her first name. Yeah, it's just, this is an event that happened in, in 2017. And J.K. Rowling is, you know, for some reason, still talking about it in 2020. The impression that I get from that is... Because it's perfect ammunition for TERFs. You have a transgender person who walked up and, you know, struck one of them in the face and, you know, they say knocked them down. It's like there's been this obsession with Wolf ever since. On McLaughlin's blog, on other websites, I I unfortunately, like, made the mistake of getting into deep into turf twitter and reading all of their insanity i'm like rumping my temples right now while i'm thinking about it (laughs) and i'm grateful because i can't get i know i I can't either it's it's sick i can't even get into like the worst things that i saw but but mclaughlin's blog is just an ode to tara wolf and everything that tara wolf has ever said and one of the things that has been posted on there and continually referenced is uh, a facebook post from tara wolf the exact quote that's in jk rowling's tweet where it says in court wolf claimed the facebook post in which he'd said he'd wanted to in quotes Fuck up some turfs was just bravado. That is in reference to a Facebook post that Tara Wolf had made saying, any idea where slash if this is happening? I want to fuck some turfs up. They are no better than fash. Fash meaning fascists. And any idea where if this is happening, that's in reference to the event, the sort of walk and talk in Hyde Park where, you know, 50 of these turfs showed up. So, I mean, Wolf knew exactly who was going to be there. I mean, there were basically like trans organizations that are based in London that basically people said like, hey, like, let's go stick up for ourselves. Like, they're going to have a protest. We're going to counter protest. So that's what JKR is is referring to in that In her tweet to a small child. In her tweet to a nine-year-old, yes. (laughs) The accidental copy and paste. (laughs) Right. So now that we've explained who Tara Wolf is, what she said, what she did, all of that, her backstory, I would like to point out the fact that it says in court, Wolf claimed the Facebook post in which he'd said he wanted to fuck up some turfs was just bravado. So, you know, she's being misgendered here. And I don't know if that's... I tried Googling that exact quote, like, within an hour of J.K. Rowling tweeting this, and I couldn't find the exact text in any article or anything like that, because I thought this has got to be from something. 
I mean, you guys remember the mad panic that it was that day. There, there wasn't an article or anything that I had seen that had those exact words in that exact arrangement. Now it would be really hard to sift through everything because it's going to be in every single news story about, you know, JKR sending a transphobic message, yada, yada, yada. Do you think it was from like some private Facebook group or something like that? Sure. So it's possible. Or it could be somebody who has, you know, protected tweets. We know that she's really active on Twitter. Could have been a text from somebody. But I guess what I'm getting at here is why are you copying and accidentally pasting a sentence where you're misgendering a trans woman? Like, why is that in your clipboard, first of all? And unless you're using that to illustrate how not to refer to trans people, I mean, what are you doing? It just, like, it gives us an insight into the kind of conversations that she's having. Who are you talking to? Other TERFs. Obviously. Yeah, like who's who are you? Where did you paste that from? Because again, it, you're like you said, you couldn't find it online anywhere. So it's not like you found it online on a website. It's either a text message from someone or like just it's just gross is what it is. It's from the echo chamber that she's in. It most certainly is. A couple of hours later, she tweeted again saying, I'm going to say this once and I'm going to say it calmly and politely. I certainly didn't mean to paste a quotation from a message about the assault of Maria McLaughlin into a tweet to a child, especially given the language used by the person convicted of the crime. However, I am not, as many of the people now swarming in my mentions seem to think, ashamed of reading about the assault. You should know by now that accusations of Thought crime lead me cold. Take your censorship and authoritarianism elsewhere. They don't work on me. And let's let's yeah. Thought crime is the key key phrase here. Sure is. So thought crime is basically you have this you have this point of view, and your point of view is unorthodox. It's controversial. It's not something that most people, well, at least from your perspective, that most people agree with. And so what J.K. Rowling is saying essentially is like people are coming into her mentions. You you can't think this way. And then J.K. Rowling has this belief of turfism or whatever it's called. Where it's controversial, it's unorthodox, and she thinks that she is so in the right. She is she is so firm in her beliefs of this that anyone who is like telling her not to think that is just telling her how to think. Like you're not allowed to think that. And she's like, No, I stand my ground. This is my thoughts. And um, so we looked it up too, and it, it's talked about a lot in George Orwell's 1984. It's like your unspoken beliefs and doubts that contradict the like the tenets of the dominant ideology. Yeah, so in her perspective, the dominant ideology is like, <laughs> I don't know, love everyone, accept everyone for the way they are. I don't like, I don't like, that's that's what's driving me like nuts about it is because it's like- <laughs> She's like, I have an alternative point of view and that should be respected. It's like, <laughs> no, everyone's pointing out why your point of view is harmful. And I think like a, a key thing with thought crime is you know that it's wrong and that you shouldn't feel that way. And typically it turns up when people are like when you are being punished for a thought crime. Like I think that it comes up often like with being racist or a white supremacist or like that kind of stuff because it's inherently wrong and you kind of know that. Like you know that you shouldn't be feeling this way or thinking this way. But you believe it wholeheartedly. It just, you don't want to talk to other people about it. And I think that's also where all of this with J.K. Rowling or her, the she who must not be named is really upsetting is because none of this, she, she doesn't want to have a conversation. 
None, none of her posts about this or on this like vein are ever something that she wants to discuss. It's just, this is how I feel about it. You're incorrect. So this is why you should feel it the same way that I do. And like, this is why I'm right. Yeah. And I, 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 she it's like she just wholeheartedly believes this and i remember after um we did our podcast episode in december january when that was um a group of doctors of like medical professionals wanted to like meet with her and explain like chromosomes and explain science about gender identity and then she just refused to meet with them like yeah there's also a, uh, i don't know which organization it was and forgive me i um there is an organization and i want to say it's the trevor project but i'm really not 100 percent sure on that um that reaches glad. oh we, yes that's exactly what i'm thinking of so glad is the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation yes so glad uh reaches out to celebrities typically uh when they do stuff like this and they're like hey so you got yourself in some hot water we can just like have a discussion with you and kind of like explain to you why it's harmful or it's incorrect or whatever and they reached out to her and she had absolutely no interest in having a conversation with them and this thought crime thing like just reminding myself of 1984 and everything it's like the thought like (laughs) for her to use that word it's like because in 1984 obviously it's like everyone was brainwashed to think Mm -hmm. about the party and think like this is what you're supposed to do and these are the correct ways of acting which obviously as an outside reader like well no all of this is terrible this is all wrong and we side with the protagonist who's all of that so she sees herself as the protagonist oh yeah and turfs see themselves as the protagonist and we are trying to break free of the brainwashing that has happened in society so how dare you so you accusing me of thought crime leaves me cold because i'm i'm breaking free of the of the the brainwashing that's happened for everyone else the brainwashing of accepting people and loving them so take your censorship and authoritarianism elsewhere (laughs) i i can't like i can't i just can't and what's more frustrating is she genuinely wholeheartedly believes that trans women are are harming her feminism and her femininity like like them existing is somehow hurting her feminine existence i do not understand i don't i don't get it i'm sorry i'm just over here silent angry all over again i'm so hot (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible this is terrible she has she did this with the maya forsatter tweet as well but she uses this vocabulary that outwardly it comes across as uplifting or empowering unless you know like the full context behind it. But you have to work for it. Like nobody, we wouldn't just get this at face value unless you know like what TERFs are, how TERFs view the world. Like it's impossible to figure out what she's even talking about. Which is why it's so shady. Because it isn't mainstream. Right. So it's stealth. There's yeah, like, and like she outlets. knows that. They all know and, that. That's why they use all these, you know, words that like veil things and like you wouldn't get it completely unless you were one of them. Right. And like it's like once you know, you realize that it's not at all the positive post that you thought it was. There's this insidious message written prettily and tied up with a bow. Like the first half of this isn't isn't really too inflammatory. I mean, I'm I'm just, you know, using my ordinary like cis eyes right now and it's just saying like I'm going to say this calmly, whatever. I didn't mean to paste a quotation from a message about the assault of Maria McLaughlin into a tweet to a child. I think it's worth 
pointing out maybe here the fact that she starts us off with saying that it's the assault of Maria McLaughlin. That's what I was just going to say. (laughs) Yeah, it's already on her side. I would say there's a connotation here that that we're that we're working on, but we'll get to. Um, and it says, especially given the language used by the person convicted of the crime, not by the woman convicted of the crime, by the person convicted of the crime. Person convicted crime. Like we're we're really driving that home. And the second half of the tweet says, however, I'm not as many of the people now swarming to my mentions seem to think ashamed of reading about the assault. And I I had a really hard time articulating to you guys how I felt about this but that whole idea of I'm not ashamed of reading about the assault and I don't even know what the real world thing is that I'm trying to get at here but like it just feels so like culty to me like just like just just take some of these readings like take this pamphlet and see for yourself like saying that there's there's no shame in looking it up in googling and whatever and when you google maria mclaughlin and tara wolf some of the first things that you find are maria mclaughlin's blog and other of these turf blogs which i I'm, i don't even want to name any of them and i'm going to feel so angry when i have to credit them on our blog post to put up my citations because i don't want them to get the clicks i mean it's mm, mm, mm. and i think i think that's one of the biggest issues here is a lot of people don't actually understand how veiled and nuanced all of these things are and when you see it you think oh my gosh someone was assaulted like that's why she was you know, that's why someone had messaged her about it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it is at all. And again, her going on about censorship. Fun fact, you're allowed to have your opinions. However, you have a, a platform that you should be censored. Someone should be censoring you because you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, Sorry. please don't. It's No, it's, it's fine. Like, we don't want people mixing bad takes with high visibility. I mean, she doesn't approve of that either. Look at how she used to tweet at Donald Trump all the time. Every single thing that he said, she was pissed off about and would, you know, basically, like, get into his mentions and whatever years ago. I don't know if she's done it lately. I haven't paid attention. She's been too busy being a turf to, exactly. to fight Donald Trump on the internet. Yeah, and Savannah, like you were saying, where she needs someone to, like, monitor her, she probably... She probably does deal with that a lot more than most people. And she probably sees it as like, that is the thought crime. They can't tell me what to think. I've been reading up on this and this is my, this is my thought. No one can ever tell me not what to think. I don't know who listens to uh, my favorite murder, but as the girls say on that, call your dad. You've joined a cult. Uh, (laughs) Should we talk about the Nicholas Sperling? We should. So later in the day, transgender activist Nicholas Sperling took to Twitter with an article from The Guardian about the Ichabog, and her caption read, Definitely something to keep a close eye on. In recent years, Rowling has made it clear that she can no longer be trusted around children. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, okay, before we get too far into this, I will say, it does sound really accusatory and bad. (laughs) It sounds like she's saying, like, hey, this lady's a pedo. And that's exactly the defense that J.K. Rowling took. She didn't acknowledge anything else but that part, which of course 
well, not of course, I don't know Nicola's mind or brain or heart, but it's the way I read it is can't be trusted like around children, like with children's stories. The Ichabog is supposed to be a story published for children and to benefit children. And so I would think that that's what Nicola was getting at. Um, but of course, Joe did not take it that way at all. No, I, I feel like you you are taking that pretty much in the, the same way that I am in the sense that, I mean, I don't, I personally don't think TERF should be trusted around children, but that's only because I've been on these TERF Twitters seeing how some of them treat their kids and their kids say, you know, I, I want to wear a binder or this is how I feel. This is my identity. You know, mom, I'm this mom, you know, I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. This is how I feel on the inside. All that, like people who know themselves just because they're children doesn't mean that they don't know themselves. But a lot of these turf parents basically, you know, keep insisting. I mean, there's there's whole like turf mommy blogs and we can't even get into that. It's just sick. It's so sick. So uh, so after uh, Nicola tweeted that, then JKR responded to her, unless you want to hear from lawyers, you might want to rethink that tweet. I'm not wasting time arguing with willful misrepresentations of my views of transgenderism. Your timeline shows you're not big on truth, but making serious insinuations like this comes with consequences. Transgenderism? Ugh, that's Ugh. not real. It's not real. Oh, girl. Not real. Not real. It's obvious that she's really educated herself on transgenderism right yeah right she really she's really educated on transgenderism transgenderism right well that's the thing is is she has educated herself but she's educated herself using basically only turf blogs so and that's something that's a word that maya forsatter uses a lot in her tweets by the way is transgenderism non-binaryism transgenderism she she adds an ism to anything to undermine it yeah i was about to say like i've never heard anyone say transgenderism before that's something because it's not real yeah exactly so it's like like shelby just said it's like that there's just so much to unpack there I know, I know. Um, Nicholas Sperling has has tweeted J.K. Rowling before, and I think maybe Sperling might be on Rowling's radar because, I mean, Sperling is an out trans person, trans activist. So here's somebody basically firmly in the other camp, I guess we could say. J.K. Rowling might might assume has this smear campaign going on against her. She has a Trump- smear campaign going on against herself. <laughs> she's so cold Sorry, you're right you're right she's been left cold by all this thought policing yeah the thought police left her cold <laughs> she's very cold so nicholas berling did go on to say if you feel that a transphobia you put out into the world is not dangerous to children you're more than welcome to have your lawyer send me a cease and desist letter i'm sure the media would love to write articles about how you attacked i trans folks and then try to silence them. And I, it looks like, is maybe like a, a, a typo. J.K. Rowling then said, Truth has always been far more important to me than clickbait, Nicola. Please provide your evidence that A, I can't be trusted around children, and B, that I attack trans folks. End quotation. You pr- supplied that all yourself, darling. Yeah. Like you, you gave all that information. Nicholas Furlong then said, I'm also very interested in the truth. Tweeting support for someone who is indisputable transphobic is transphobic in and of itself. Suicide rates among trans people are so high due to lack of acceptance. Yes. Hence, transphobia is dangerous to children. Joe's response, I'm afraid your lawyers might need a little more than my tweet in support from Maya Forstatter, who believes that humans are a dimorphic species. But who has stated her unequivocal commitment to treating trans people with respect? 
again, I must ask you to provide evidence. And uh, Nicholas said, see above. Joe said, okay, time to take this off Twitter, I think. And then uh, she did. Uh, Nicholas Berlong did take her. Um, Nicholas Berlong did take her tweets down off Twitter um, at the request of at JK Rowling. And now at the advice of my lawyers, I've deleted my original tweet. The tweet, when read on its own, lacked clarity and right or wrong. Wealth is powerful. She then replied to her own tweet saying, with that said, I stand behind the intent of the tweet, which was to highlight the dangerous nature of transphobia. Children are particularly vulnerable and must be accepted for who they are. Not told who they are is wrong. With great power comes great responsibility. So let's yeah. come back to dimorphic species. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's another big turfism. It's is they so love to talk about humans being a dimorphic species, which means that there are only two options. There is die, meaning two, morph, meaning kind. So two kinds of species. So that's all we got, obviously. Joe is very well informed about this topic and understands everything about biological sex and gender, about chromosomal gender, about cell gender. Yeah, she's, she's, she, she knows. And the turfs know. Yeah. And speaking of the dimorphic thing, um, Shelby, we're going to have a big blog post <laughs> with the showing the receipts, these screenshots, and links to articles for more resources. And so in the blog post, which will be on holdmybutterbeer.com, uh, we'll have more information about dimorphic species. We are not uh, biologists, so it's difficult for us to explain that here in this medium, but uh, we encourage you to read further about why that is absolutely not the case and why Joe is very much misinformed. So how do we think Joe got here? Do we think that this has been like a lifelong thing has this been in the past since she wrote harry potter has this been like in the past three years what do we think well, it's she been was longer than three years for sure yeah i've read a lot of people with the same idea that like she was such like a trailblazing feminist icon in like the late 90s early 2000s and then it's just like her ideology just stopped like she just stopped growing and then she started all her feminist beliefs just started going haywire where where she is now so i also think it has a lot to do with age some of my older relatives are very different now than they were a number of years ago and i think that like your ideas change and when you're when you're in your own echo chamber as we've been saying when you surround yourself with people who believe the same thing that you do, you don't realize how insane it is until you post something insane on Twitter and people tell you, wow, you're a crazy person. And I think that like this idea was something that she thought and then eventually like found people that felt the same way. And I don't know if that just like made her feel like it was correct i i really don't know so um jackson bird and if you don't follow jackson bird uh which is jack is not a bird on twitter already i definitely recommend you do but he's been posting all kinds of awesome things because he's an out trans man and um was a huge harry potter fan i don't know if he still is uh he's definitely not a shaking rolling fan he's been retweeting a lot of really helpful things for me personally and one of them was a thread from aja romano thinking about how did jk rolling get to this point and made a lot of really good points because like we all remember like like in the early days of when Joe got on Twitter, it was like, what well, it was like all about uh, ink and paper are my priority right now. And she tweeted that like seven times. We're like, Joe, please give us more, 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 please, please, Joe. And then she started getting on Twitter and telling us little Harry Potter tidbits. And I was like, oh, yay, Joe, this is so much fun. Oh, all the history and little tidbits that you, you didn't include. And then Joe started to get political and was talking about Scotland and was talking about all kinds of political stuff. I'm like, okay, Joe, like, 
I didn't really come here for this, but like you're entitled to your politics and yay for you standing up for stuff. So, okay, great. And then people started calling her out and arguing with her and saying, you shouldn't think this, you should think this, you should think that. This is all in this thread tweet that I've, I'm referencing. Um, and then it gets further and more people start yelling at you. Twitter seems like a more hostile place. Uh, every time I get on Twitter, people are going to yell at me. People are going to complain and say that I'm wrong and that uh, I should go to hell and I'm terrible and whatever. And then some people start agreeing with you. And those people think that you've got good stuff to say. And they say, way to go, Joe. Way to go at JK Rowling. You are right. And then Joe starts looking at those people and the people who aren't calling her out, the people who are complimenting her and being nice to her. And then she starts going to their profiles and starts reading some of their websites and starts reading some of their information about feminism and their perspectives. And you start liking those tweets. You start following those accounts. Like we've seen this and we mentioned this in our previous episode. It's like this is she's been following turfs, known turfs and liking known tweets for years. And we keep talking about this echo chamber and it's like the echoes get louder and louder. And yes, Joe, yes, like this is this is the way this is the way we should be seeing things. Gender is under attack. Feminism is under attack from the patriarchy and these trans people who like when she says in that tweet, like, I respect trans people, but it's a dimorphic species. It's like you're inherently missing the point. You don't get to say but when you say but everything before it doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. And so. It's like, how did Joe get to this point? It's like things don't happen in a vacuum. Like there's there's reasons behind all this. And I would tend to agree with this tweet thread that that's how it happened is she got political and people yelled at her and some people didn't yell at her. And so she started paying attention to those people. And those are the people who hold these backwards, terrible ideas that are extremely harmful. And that's where we are now. I think that that's exactly what happened. I think she just fell into these circles. And again, this thought crime that she has. uh, And I'm offended by thought crime because that means she knows it's wrong. Using that term means you're aware that it's an issue. I I think that she thinks she's right. She does think she's right. But using the term thought crime, like I would never say if I held a belief that was uncouth or something – I would never, ever use the term thought crime. That's like a very bizarre phrasing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know. Exactly. Of wrong, maybe she mean. Do you mean, instead of wrong, do you maybe mean an unpopular take or like not generally accepted? Or do you mean you think that she really knows deep down this is wrong, but I enjoy having a bad take? No, I don't. I don't think... No, I think she knows that it's not a popular opinion, but I also feel like there's more to it than just that. I think I think she she revels in the fact that it's controversial. That is kind of like her torch because like like I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Savannah, because it's like it's wrong in the sense that she thinks she's in the minority of people that hold this belief that of this radical feminist beliefs that she has. And I think she knows like, I think she just dwells like dwells on the fact that it's controversial and that yeah, like I, that no one will ever no the majority will never agree with her but she's got to stand her ground. Yeah, exactly. Like I I don't know how to articulate it well. Like I don't think that she has this thing where she's like, well, I know that I'm incorrect, but yeah. I think using the term thought crime just makes it's in, like it's inherently wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it is. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, because it is. But I'm just yeah. saying like to use that term, it's more than just thinking that your idea is incorrect. It's more than that. Yeah, 100%. So, That's just my hot take. 
So now is when the episode would have stopped. But then before we recorded this episode, she went back on Twitter. Oh, yes. So we were prepared to do this episode uh, a week ago before all of this started. (laughs) And then then she decided to get more vocal. So Haley, would you like to talk about that one? So this is June 6th. This is two days ago. Let me paint a picture. We're at the height of a global racial justice protest against police brutality during Pride Month, a global health pandemic. And she's still going on about her backwards beliefs. She thinks that this is so important. This is as, a, as important as everything else that's happening right now. And it's it's 10.35 p.m. when she posts this. <laughs> my favorite <laughs> Saturday night. My favorite uh, YouTuber, transgender drag queen alien, Juno Birch, just tweeted at her and was like, put down Merlot, JK. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, did you kick back some wine and you were like, you know what would be great tonight to really just stir the pot? So she shared an article titled like uh, creating a more post COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. And like, apparently that was a trigger word for her. Like people who menstruate. Uh, So this is a quote from her, from Jackie Rowling quote, people who menstruate End quote, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wombin, Wimpund, Wombud, opinion, colon, creating a more equal post COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. So you know, like menstrual education is important. Yes, absolutely. We definitely need to educate people about menstruation and about women's health. Yes, 100%. I'm really excited that this article did say people who menstruate. That's super like forward thinking. And that's like super inclusive. So like people who menstruate is a good thing that they used. Right, exactly. And the the article, I can understand her wanting to like read up on that because she is so interested in gender and everything. The article itself, I ended up reading it. It's just talking about the health and wellness of people with a focus on the gendered aspects of the pandemic. But why is that headline, why is she incensed by that? Yeah, why did that trigger you so bad? Why are you mad about people who menstruate? So then a fan uh, commented on this uh, on this saying, why do you do this? Um, I, I assume referring to all the turf behavior. Joe then went on that fan's account. I, I screenshotted a tweet saying, Wonder Woman works at a museum. I work at a museum. I am Wonder Woman. And then Joe used that and said and added to it, same reason you do, I guess. So she can, she thinks she's Wonder Woman. Is right. what J.K. Rowling saying. First of all, if any of y'all are fans of us, we're never going to go into your profile and use your words against you and be rude. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how disgusting? Rude that is? She then said, and another. So after she bullied this person, she tweeted again. I've spent much of the last three years reading books, blogs, and scientific papers about trans people, medics and gender specialists. I know exactly what the distinction is. Never assume that because someone thinks differently, they have no knowledge. And then links a tweet. And the tweet has has been basically deleted since immediately when she tweeted it, which is the most confusing thing to me because I'd love to know what she posted there. Uh, in response to someone urging her to please talk to some queer people. So someone asked, please talk to some queer people, please. She said, one of my best mates just called me. She's self-described butch lesbian. It was hard to tell because she was shouting quite loudly, but I could just make out fucking yes, all in caps with an exclamation point. Echo chamber. Echo chamber. Uh Uh-huh. So I have gay friends. Yeah, I have one gay friend. I have Mm -hmm. gay friends, so I can't be transphobic and homophobic and racist and or anything else because I have a friend. We've heard this argument many, many times. The same energy of, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Exactly. 
Um, so apparently she spent the last three years reading books, blogs, and scientific papers um, <laughs> by trans people. So she's she's been reading for the past three years something. I'm not sure what. Someone said, it takes one turf to know another, I guess. And then she said, fem Nazi, turf, bitch, witch, times change, women hate is eternal. <laughs> I would take bitch and witch over turf any day. Amen. Amen. Self-described. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> three years is not enough to get a medical degree. <laughs> it's not enough to get a master's degree. I mean, unless you're like really, really. If, if you go the full time pathway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't. But <laughs> Haley and I didn't go that path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like three years. Okay, that's that's start. But that's probably about like a tidbit of information you can get. And it's just it's just like the like the echo chamber we keep talking about and her bullying her fans. Her fans, the people that love her, the people that like love her stories, the people and that are lining her pockets, the people mm-hmm. that are lining her pockets. And and it's like if I if I knew I had done something in my social media life or whatever that hurt directly hurt someone, it would kill me. And I get that J.K. Rowling has to to go cold because she might unintentionally hurt people all the time because of her platform. Like there's probably stuff that she has done that's innocent that has hurt people. And I and I get that argument too. But the vast majority of everyone who is her fan that I've seen personally, like at least on Twitter and social media and stuff, has like spoken out and like unfollowed and just like said how abhorrent all of her her actions are. So it's like insane to me that she would just keep buckling down when the people that have supported her for so long are telling her how wrong she is. Another thing on the three years. So, okay, great. You've spent three years uh, trying to prove that people don't exist, but everybody's life is different and everyone's lived experience is very, very different. And you can't tell me that 10 trans people have the same lived experience. Right. And some people it takes two years of life to know that they're in the wrong body. Some people, it takes 60 years. And so in three years, you're trying to tell me that you have completely understood every aspect of the trans life experience that is vastly different. As a cis person, I'm sure that there's plenty of cis lived experiences that are vastly different. And you cannot tell me that in three years, you you got it all. You figured it all out. Like, get a life. She not Absolutely. only thinks that she's arrived, but that she is is deserving of passing judgment. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like she she knows more than us. Sit down. J.K. Rowling's talking, and J.K. Rowling knows everything. So you can't argue with this. Gross. One other thing that I that I want to point out here is these trans people, medics, and gender specialists that she talks about. What's her criteria, and what are their qualifications? She's basically saying these are my qualifications that I've spent three years reading books, blogs, and scientific papers by these other people. Mm-hmm. Are we expected to believe that they are experts in their craft, that they know everything? I mean, you're getting this from trans people, medics, and gender specialists. Are these gender specialists other gender-critical feminists? And trans people, I I can't even, I, I have too many feelings about this, but the amount of trans people that love to pretend that non-binary people don't exist. I have somebody in my own life that I met, really admired. Only after I met them in person did I find out that they were trans, that they like disclosed that to me in a message later. And then only after that did I realize that they have these basically kind of 
of aligning with JK Rowling, gender critical beliefs that non-binary people don't exist. What? That that's impossible. I'm not even joking. I mean, there's, that's the thing is, is none of these things are clear cut. Just because yeah. you say trans people doesn't mean that it's a trans person who is in a completely, of a completely different belief system than you, JK Rowling. She's not saying, I've listened to all voices. She's saying, I've listened to trans people. Maybe those trans people are people who discount and discredit non-binary people. I mean, you're not necessarily getting a well-rounded education. We keep talking about echo chambers, but I'm sure that she's talking about, you know, these so-called experts that are telling her exactly what she wants to hear because exactly. it supports right. her belief system. Just like she cherry picks and chooses whatever science fits her belief system as it does with most terps. And the gender specialists, I mean, get out of here. Medics? Okay. I understand medics because they have to understand science, but... I, yeah, but do they? I would say like, that medics probably understand science, yeah. Yeah, but depending on which medics she's talking to, I don't know. Could just be a medic that has a bad take on gender. Who knows? You know exactly. What I mean? yeah. yeah. So let's read the last three best ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll try to keep the disdain and sarcasm out, out of my voice this time. So, uh, Jake and Rowling, uh, June 6th, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. Next, the idea that women like me, who've been empathic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and lived consequence is a nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. <laughs> At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. And so have theirs. <laughs> Period. Can she march with the trans people against herself? There's no if. They are discriminated against. <laughs> There's no if. There's no if. And their life has been shaped by their identity. So a few th a few things. Sorry. Empathetic to trans people. Empathetic to trans people. Okay. So <laughs> same-sex attraction that has nothing to do with anything. So like saying that sex is real because you're attracted to the same or the opposite sex has literally nothing to do with any of this. I, again, I do not understand how the life of a trans woman takes away her lived experience. Like that, what? That's, yeah, go Haley. Like that's something I've really wanted to touch on. And that's something that I really opened up to Michael about yesterday. It's because my lived experience has really been affected by being a woman. When I like when I grew up, I had a very abusive father and the point of my views was I was never treated the same as my brothers. It was always because I was a girl. I was the female. So my experience as a woman does not invalidate someone else's. Like I was discriminated against as a woman, but my heart isn't like cold to that. I didn't stop growing. I didn't stop being empathetic. I didn't stop understanding that other people have different experiences in me. And that's what she's done. That's the problem with this type of feminism, because it isn't feminism. If it's not intersectional, it's it's not feminism. Like, you should take your experience that you've had. You've we Women have had, we've had experiences like this. I'm, I know the two of you have, too, that have been, because we're female. But you, you don't stop growing. Like, you don't stop speaking out for others. And you, 
because someone was someone was brought up with others treating them as a male when they are female that doesn't that doesn't invalidate their experience as a woman thank you Haley, for being very vulnerable with us that was incredible and yes i mean <laughs> being female is a wide range and i don't know how getting off the train late at night by myself and being surrounded by a very big group of men and being terrified that I didn't know what was going to happen to me is literally not any different than a trans person feeling unsafe in any environment. I'm, I have trouble with her trying to claim that being female and my female experience is I don't know, downgraded or downplayed or right. it's, it's being taken away from by someone who's having a different experience than me because you could put 10 women in a room and every single one of them could have a different experience. And does that make her, does that make JK Rowling's experience less than because all these other women had a harder time than her or did not have a hard, as hard of a time as her? I, I don't know. And it's, it's worth mentioning that she's white. JK Rowling has a white woman's experience. It is completely different from a black woman's experience, Hispanic woman experience. She's, She's blinded exactly. by her own privilege. She's yes. this is a yeah. privilege conversation. Like this is this is her white feminist brigade. Exactly. Something else that kind of kills me here is she has all of these feelings about the way that women are treated, the way that women are oppressed. And TERFs will condemn how men sexualize and objectify women. Yet they're like obsessed with the sex organs of trans people and they demand to know what's between someone's legs and they just completely throw humanity out the window. It's wild because they'll condemn men for doing that, but they're doing it too. Yeah. You're causing somebody's hard time. You're, you're actively making life harder for trans women. Like you're making that lived experience shit in, in your like you're or you're, you're trying to is what i'm trying to say like it's just it's dirty all of this is dirty it is she's it's, so it's, antagonistic oh sorry no don't be sorry because it, it is it's exactly what that is it's antagonistic it's it's discrediting other people's experiences to lift up your ideology mm -hmm. and that's the grossest thing that any ideology can, can do in my opinion is like invalidating others and not listening to others and and ignoring others and claiming there's thought crime because they talked against your views like no listen listen so can so shelby you've i know you've been to the dark side of the internet <laughs> where where few of us fear to tread can, can, can we come back to the sex is real conversation and what if you don't have answers to this is fine and what turfs think about like because she says that a lot she's like could be denying that sex is real that was what we talked about back in january that was her argument and is it like this this post like like this post gender world like she's afraid that we're going to move on to a post gender world and we can't do that because her feminism has defined her life and trans people want us all just to be gender neutral and we can't do that so sex Sex is real. We have to reinforce that all the time. Am I heading in the right direction? So I think possibly. I also think that there's a few, there's a few different ways that radical feminists would like 
take this. So I think what JK Rowling is trying to get at here with this whole, if sex isn't real, there's no same sex attraction. This is just her asserting sex is real because we all know same sex attraction is something that's real. But when she's saying if sex isn't real, she's basically saying this, this thing that exists can exist unless what I'm saying exists exists. God, that's terrible. <laughs> what a shitty way of explaining. <laughs> but she's she's just trying to drive home the idea that what she believes is that biological sex is real. But the flaw is in her understanding of what biological sex is. Turfs don't think that, that sex is a spectrum. They think that it's binary. What I've gathered is that pretty much everybody's on board with sex. Everybody believes in sex. They all, it's crazy how many TERFs have it in their bios. Like where we would put our pronouns, they put biological sex is real. Biological <laughs> sex is an irrefutable fact. I'm not joking. I've got Oh, I know. Shelby, I know I have to laugh or I'll cry. I mean, Jesus Christ, write down what your profession is or like your anniversary <laughs> date. Don't tell me sex is real. Like, it's shit. So is that getting to like, like, like this false assumption that all trans people and all liberals and all everybody else wants wants like a, like a post gender world. Is that what that's getting at? So I don't. Why would I they argue so I hard? I think that's deeping. Possibly. I think you're giving them too much credit. To be honest, maybe I, I don't know. Some of them are are really deep in their thoughts, and I I would have to read more and everything. But the idea is is definitely that gender is a construct. Gender basically something that that harms and oppresses women and in order for women to truly be equal gender needs to be thrown out the door um, what about women that identify as non-binary now like what about them they men straight they don't believe in that oh okay duh. Be because it doesn't fit their agenda Insane. If they see something that invalidates their truths, it simply doesn't exist. If J.K. Rowling isn't listening to her fandom, then she's totally against the fandom. I, I think it's so much further than that, even, too. I think that the fandom is gone now. I think that she she's out, you know, alienated so many people with this insanity. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I was just talking about, like, if, she, if the, her biggest supporters... Like, if she's not going to listen to them... She's got new supporters. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's out. Say, she has like, new she's friends. Out. Yeah. She's done she being J.K. Rowling. She's got, you know, this antagonistic bunch. I mean, everything that they're about, it's employing anti-scientific belief and pseudoscience because they refuse to acknowledge, you know, the science of sex. And it's dehumanizing trans people and misgendering trans people and calling them by their dead names and trying to dox them on the internet. It's just... It's evil. What, what a it's, group yeah, to, it's all to so find mean. yourself. Savannah, that's the perfect word for turf. It's, it's yeah. mean-spirited. Everything mm -hmm. is... Cold. Is, yeah, it's mean. It's cold. I don't get. I don't know what the point is. Like, why are you fight? Like, you just you're you're doing this to fight with people. Like, that's right. the goal here is to literally just fight with people. The thing is, we should all be feminists, but these feminists like to fight within themselves, which is, I mean, kind of putting us Ironic. at a disadvantage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a complete disadvantage because it's not. <sighs> How can you fight the patriarchy if you're fucking fighting trans women? 
or or you know they they actually turfs fucking hate bisexuals and that's not an exaggeration no i'm serious no i believe you they think that it's absolutely reprehensible that you can be attracted to women and to men i mean mm, mm. me and shelby also had a angry me and Shelby also had a conversation about women who this is this is actually pretty fascinating women who can grow beards. So a side effect of PCOS is a condition and uh, forgive me, I don't remember what it's called. I will plug it somewhere. Um, it begins with an H and it is ultimately excessive body hair. And some women, biologically born women can grow a full beard and not not taking hormones, not taking um, tea, like literally they can just grow a full beard. And this being offensive to TERFs is so fascinating to me because th- they're they didn't do anything. Like this is how yeah. these women were born, completely how they were born. And for you to be offended by that is again very contradictory. And I think that's why tur- turf I- turfism offends me so much. Onto everything. <laughs> <laughs> turfism offends me because it's so contradictory. Like, okay, you wanna you wanna do this? Like, give me the rules, but I want all the rules. I want to know what all your rules are. And the fact that every time they give us one, the next one that they give us is contradicting the first one is just completely insane. I've never felt like they're. I mean, yes, there there are contradictory statements in some of their definitions and whatever, but you know, they they wave those away and they change the subject to whatever works for them. But I think also this like same spirit of contradiction is just JK Rowling makes a perfect example for it. This whole idea of saying things like, you know, I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable. I've I've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship. They're vulnerable in the same way as women. All of these things, they're so contradictory to the things that she is publicly liking and sharing. It's just, I'm sorry. I feel like it just boils down to self-awareness. Like, you can't say, I, you know, respect trans women. You can't say Maya Forstadter respects trans women when Maya Forstadter was not rehired. Her contract was not renewed because she purposefully misgenders people. And coworkers, and coworkers, inva- it's not coworkers, like, yeah. and invalidates people's, you know, identity. Invalidating trans people's identity doesn't mean that you respect them. It's the opposite of that. The exact opposite. Nope. But the contradictions are, are never ending in obviously in their beliefs and in practice. Mind blowing. Uh, and finally, Jay Hare tweeted another article. I've never felt as shouted down, ignored, and targeted as a lesbian within our supposed GLBT community than I have over the past couple of years. And the name of that article is titled Anonymous Letter from a Terrified Lesbian. It's from the velvetchronicle.com. And I read it so you wouldn't have to, but you can if you want. But it's basically written by another, and I've already looked her up and vetted her. The article mostly talks about how the author receives messages on Twitter from people who say things along the lines of, I would love to follow you. I would love to like your tweets and retweet them. But I'm afraid that if I do, I might lose my job or lose my internship. So I looked up this person's Twitter and they're another gender critical feminist, another TERF who has shared and liked and covered transphobic topics in the past, um, has covered JK Rowling in the past, and basically also talks a lot about thought crime. 
We've got a common trend here. And basically just tries to drive home this idea that a lot of people feel this way. And, you know, we're all we're all scared to speak out because people try and silence us all the time for feeling this way, which is just I mean, that's that's fine. That's, you know, that's like a real valid fear if you're talking about something that's actually important, like no not not being a turf. You can't act like the victim when you're spewing hatred all over the internet. Exactly. Exactly. You don't get to be the victim of a thought crime when you're telling people that they don't exist. Gross. It's just dirty. It's also dirty. Any feminism that's not intersectional is not feminism, period. Agree. Absolutely agree. All I have to say about that is if you know that your job fires folks over transphobia and that transphobia is bad you know that your thoughts and feelings are transphobic right that's what i meant about thought crime that's yeah. that was what i was trying to say before <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely yeah that's the exact essence of what i was trying to say before that i couldn't articulate so thank you Shelby. <laughs> yeah no no thank you i thought you had it pretty succinctly earlier so that that summarizes and covers two days in the life of a turf that's the and highlight now, reel. <laughs> it is the highlight reel. There is more. She um she's guilty of some turfing uh around I think it was May 15th or so. Actually, this author of this article about, you know, being a terrified lesbian, basically that same author had covered a news story where JK Rowling had liked a tweet about a trans woman where a so-called gender critical feminist was basically going in on this person, I mean, intentionally misgendering her and um, suggesting, you know, all kinds of, of harmful things about it and basically retweeted, you know, oh, like, hey, JK Rowling liked this, like, pretty cool. Something that made me feel kind of especially sick was the amount of TERFs that were tweeting and and in the replies suggesting that instead of it harming her book sales that it would help her book sales and they had said basically like oh like we love when she pops in to like spread the spread the good word essentially and um we only wish that she would be more vocal i've also seen some of them suggest things about twitter skewing the like ratios and something that they actively do is they will like, unlike, re-like tweets to try and get them to trend more. Um, that, does that even work? I don't know. I mean, they seem to believe it, but <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. And there were also some comments on there saying that they uh, admired J.K. Rowling's strategy by not replying to tweets in support of Maya Forstadter and other tweets because they believed that that was her refusing to back down and that she that she chooses very carefully what to comment on. But I I feel like none of none of this is careful. I mean, it could be careful in the sense that she's carefully orchestrating when she drops all of this turf shit. But I also don't think it's careful because I think that here she is, white cis het woman who's uh, completely unable of reading the room and deciding to to spew her hateful stuff right in the middle of a very important turning point in history where basically nobody's dealing with her shit right now 
Like we've got bigger fish to fry. Than- oh, I think that was a hundred percent a tactic. People were paying attention to other things. So like she, she was like, great, this is when I'm going to like put all this out here. And see, I would think that that would harm her more than help her though. Because everybody is currently, I hate using the word woke because it sounds ridiculous, but everybody's seemingly in this woke mindset right now where, you know, all of a sudden a a lot of, you know, white and non-black people are kind of checking their privilege and, and on a pretty massive scale saying like, hey, like this is an important movement. Racial justice is something we should be paying attention to. And, you know, we, we need to talk about things intersectionally, basically. There are so many murders of black trans women and trans men that go unresolved, that they don't find the killers. Yeah. There isn't enough interest, apparently, on behalf of law enforcement in finding the killers of these people. And so trans lives are something that needs to be talked about right now. And and we are talking about it. A lot of people are. It's kind of like, well, you know, if we're going to tackle this one thing, we might as well dismantle it all and rebuild from the ground up and make something good out of this. But that's I what I'm saying. I think it's a terrible time. I know, but I think but- in her mind, that was her thought. Like, well, if we're going to air some dirty laundry right now and get it all out there and get everybody on the same side, that's how she feels. I don't know if she honestly wanted to, like, correct herself or, like, explain herself, I should say. But she put her priorities over the the movement. Like, right? it's beyond selfish. It just it's like in, in like disgusting to me. And it's worth noting that we've been seeing this transphobic stuff from her before. It's been happening since 2017. And generally, there's long gaps of time in between these events, in between her, you know, committing these uh, offenses. And basically, in the past month, we've had three separate days where she's done something turfy or liked something turfy. It's just it's it's really wild because I Part of me wonders if she's even really paying attention to the world around her. Is she so yeah stuck in her bubble that, you know, she's, oh, there's rioting in America? Oh, okay, that's fine. Let me go back to, you know, oh, reading no, she's, this she's text aware. From, from Maria McLaughlin or from, from any other turf, because there's so many of them that, that she follows and talks to. And I'm sure there's plenty more that we don't know about her talking to. It just, it seems really, I, I mean, we've been using the term tone deaf a lot this week. I wonder if, sh- if it's just... Mm, how do I want to say this? If it's her being toned off, the answer is yes. Yeah. And also she's extremely aware of this movement because she tweeted Black Lives Matter in the same breath as trans people's lives don't matter. So <laughs> exactly. Well, and I also exactly. wonder if that matters all that much to her. Like, is that just your your PR people saying, hey, everyone else has made a statement. You probably should, too. She wasn't one of the first to do it. I mean, she kind of was slow to be vocal about that. But she's never slow to be vocal about transphobia. So, like, what's what's the deal there? Exactly. She's gross. That's the deal. Yeah. So we've listed all the receipts. And again, like we said, we're going to post uh, Shelby's receipts that she's worked so hard. And thank you, Shelby, so much. Yeah, another shout out to Shelby because she did so much research. Turf Twitter <laughs> for us and for our listeners because it's, it's, it's too much. A very dark and ugly place. So we are going to be posting a blog post on homemybutterbeer.com with this information as well as links for more information. And so that will be forthcoming. So uh, be sure to check that out. The conversation I guess we need to have now is like, so what do we do? So 
what do we do? How how do we as fans, how do we as human beings, how do we as civilly minded people who love and support the trans community, love and support people, like how do we move forward? And I don't I'm not expecting us to have answers, but we need to talk about how do we move forward with this? Yeah, I think ethical consumption is like a huge question. And how do you separate the art from the artist and that kind of stuff? And for us, and we've had this conversation before, and we will have it again, and probably again, before the end of it, but is there are so many people tied to this create like that have created this world for us. And I can't condemn the person that painted poop on all of the rafters of the wizarding world, just because J.K. Rowling is a horrible human being. And so how do we consume but not line J.K. Rowling's pockets and like support her wholeheartedly. And like, that's been a big question for us. And we had this conversation the last time. And if you are able financially to offset the purchase of a book by donating the same amount to a trans charity, that's like a huge way to do it if that's feasible for you. There's definitely ways to practice conscious consumerism as a Harry Potter fan. Like you were saying, matching the price of admission to a movie or the price of a book or the price of your uh, vacation to the wizarding world. Match that with a donation to an organization that benefits and focuses on the rights of transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming people. Something else you can do, um, like we see right now a lot of donations, you can also set up like a continuing donation. So if you don't want, uh, or if you're not financially able to dump a bunch of money into a um, into a donation right now, you could set up a recurring payment to where you're continuously supporting in small amounts. So you could say like $5, like $5 a month will go to the charity that you are looking to support. So um, that way you can budget your money and it can be a continuous support rather than like a one-time thing. That's amazing. That's a great call, Michael. That's like seriously important too. And and a lot of places will say, you know, spread out your donations and generally that ends up being more beneficial to them that way. So we were also saying borrowing books from the library. And if you're still in quarantine like us and unable to get to your local library for a printed copy, you can access the Harry Potter series as ebooks and as audiobooks uh, using digital libraries. I know I use Libby. I don't know if anyone else is you if anyone else uses anything like that. You can find uh, audiobooks like Quidditch Through the Ages on YouTube. That's where I've listened before. And right now wizardingworld.com has a campaign called Harry Potter at Home where they have selected different stars and celebrities that read chapters of the books one at a time. So if you still want to, you know, read, if you want to revisit that, I guess, original magic of the books, you certainly can, you know, if, if you already own them, or if you want to borrow them from the library, that's certainly one way to do it. You could also buy those books, films, or merchandise secondhand. I know that we've all done that at some point, either through thrift stores, consignment shop, there's Facebook also, marketplace. <laughs> yeah, Facebook marketplace, <laughs> and other online sellers like Poshmark and eBay. And sometimes you can find really like special cool finds for for cheap there. And a lot of things are in, you know, really good condition still and just need to be rehomed. And one thing I think we can all agree with is to consider supporting in independent makers instead of licensed items. And there's nothing wrong with unlicensed items. People, 
you know, like Etsy sellers and everything hand make super amazing products that they pour their heart and soul into. And that's something really special that you can cherish. And who cares if it's unlicensed? It's usually much better quality when it's (laughs) by a handmade Etsy seller or online shop. It's like usually much better than the licensed stuff out there. Haley, that's what I was just going to (laughs) say. Yeah. I prefer unlicensed, but that's just me. And I just want to add, if you don't feel like you can ever support the Wizarding World merchandise or anything, that's absolutely okay. And that is a great decision. Yeah. We talked about that in the last episode, where if it's easier for you to divorce yourself from Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling completely, that is entirely your decision. We won't judge you for it. We hope that you won't judge us for still talking about J.K. Rowling and all this insanity. Everybody has to tackle those feelings individually as a fan. And your, you know, your own joy might stem from going to the parks. And if that's where your happy place is, that's where your happy place is. If you decide that, you know, you still want to engage in conversations with the Harry Potter community, but, you know, you'll never buy a piece of merchandise again uh, because you, you can't consider financially contributing to the people that make it and by extension, you know, JK Rowling because she gets a cut, that's fine too. And if you decide that you can't talk about this anymore, if you don't want to see anything related to Harry Potter, it's also your prerogative. Everybody's got their own steps that they need to take, and we we won't judge you for it. And I, I implore you to not question someone's feelings about it. If they decide that they can't continue consuming any of the Wizarding World, no matter what kind of state that takes, then that's their decision. And I'm trusting you to not pressure them or question them as to why they feel that way. Because for some people, this has been going on for a long time. J.K. Rowling has been doing this for a long time. And it's just too far for them. And that's perfectly fine. And you need to respect that person's feelings on the subject. Most certainly, yeah. And another point that we had made the last time that I really want to make again, especially now with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything else, what you consume on your newsfeed, be it Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc., is your own design. So if you only see people that look like you, you really should think about diversifying your newsfeed because it will do you a world of good. And exposing yourself to people that have different ideas than you, not TERFs, but different ideas than you or that look <laughs> differently than you um, can go a long way. And I I implore you to mix it up a little and follow creators that don't look like you. Don't get stuck in an echo chamber. Don't do it. So then I I really like that, how you pointed out diversifying your social media feed and and who you follow online is really important. That's something that made our list last time of how to be an ally to transgender, non-binary and gender non-conforming people. Speaking of diversifying your news feed, um, if you are into Harry Potter, obviously, if you're listening to us, you are enjoying it in some capacity. Capacity. We implore you to also look up the hashtag Masterful Magical Minorities. Some friends of ours, people of color, have some incredible, incredible content that they create, and it's just absolutely amazing. And that's a good way to diversify your newsfeed. So, we want to talk about ways that you, our listeners, can be an affirming ally to all the amazing people in your life. The number one thing is that when it comes to trans identities, affirming who they are, affirming their gender, affirming their name, affirming their pronouns, affirm, affirm, affirm. all the time. If you mess up, it's okay. Apologize, move on. But affirm their gender identities. It takes no effort. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Being a good person is free. 
if you don't know somebody's pronouns, just ask. Um, the more we normalize it, the easier it becomes. You can say something as simple as, hi, my name is Michael. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I want to talk to everyone respectfully. So can you share me what your pronouns are? Um, the more we normalize it, the easier it's going to be. Add it to your bios on Twitter or on Instagram. You know, I have at the top of mine, she slash her. That's it. It's really simple. And especially if you're cis, it's important to do that as well. For this advice, uh, we send this directly to JK Rowling, is listen to transgender individuals and acknowledge their personal experiences. Know to people have the exact same lived experience and we all have to respect one person's story is not representative of all trans people. Recognize that they know what's best for them. I think it's also important that people challenge transphobia in your home and in your workplace and in your friend groups or at school, wherever you find yourself encountering somebody spreading hate or falsehoods about these topics. Transphobia takes many forms, anywhere from an insensitive comment to what seems like a harmless joke to abuse and to violence. Stand up and call out bullying and harassment when you see it. I know that that's really uncomfortable. That also goes for racism. So if you encounter racism anywhere in your life, challenge that as well. Have hard conversations. 2020 is the year of being uncomfortable. And so I am encouraging everyone to be uncomfortable, have uncomfortable conversations. And uh, we're going to get rid of deep-rooted anything this year. So that goes for transphobia, homophobia, racism, any of it. Call it out. We won't get anywhere if we don't talk about it. I also want to say, be careful not to out anybody. It's up to individuals who they decide to disclose their identity to. And that kind of touches on doxing, which we've already talked about. In a way, you could unintentionally dox somebody and that could lead to serious consequences and danger for a trans person and any person that lgbtq community most definitely i'm refrain from asking a trans person about their dead name uh what they were medically assigned at birth about their surgery or their genitals like just shut up like <laughs> it's none of your business what if you wouldn't other... ask me about my genitals don't ask somebody else about it exactly so yeah just just stop uh it's none of your business um, I don't know how many business owners listen to this podcast, but if you are, um, please make sure that you have affirming hiring policies. It's like, it's not an, when we talk about being affirming, it's like, it's not enough to have an assumption that everything's affirming. Like, oh yeah, I, I we have a non-discrimination policy. Like based on what I've seen, based on my experiences, there is an assumption of exclusion. So we as allies have to be actively inclusive. We can't just slap a non-discrimination policy on something and say, oh, uh, work done. We've done it. It's, it's actively hiring diverse people, actively hiring people who do good work and we you can't just rest on saying that you're inclusive it's it's active it's it's a capital action that you have to do all the time so be active in it and support trans and non-binary authors and artists by buying their work supporting their work especially reading their work read books by trans and non-binary authors about trans and non-binary people you can't say that you understand their life if you don't listen so reading is something i'm passionate about as a librarian so along with this blog post i'm also going to have a reading list of trans and non-binary ya books and further than that if you can't purchase them back to what shelby was saying about asking your library for them ask your library for them like they need to include all voices from all people uh is a big proponent of that and find those voices where you can again back to your newsfeed back to your local library you can do it for free like you can access people's experience for free 
So we do want to end this episode on at least some small amount of hope. And while this is breaking for us, uh, this is an article just posted while we're recording. Uh, it won't be news for you by the time this uh, episode comes out. But this is from The Trevor Project, uh, which is a fantastic organization. So definitely check them out. But um, Daniel Ratcliffe wrote, uh, responds to J.K. Rowling's tweets on gender identity for The Trevor Project. It's a really great article. We're going to link it uh, in the show notes and we'll link it in the blog post. And um, basically uh, saying transgender women are women. Uh, any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations who have far more experience in this subject matter than either Joe or I. According to the Trevor Project, 78% of transgender and non-binary youth reported being a subject of discrimination due to their gender identity. It's clear that we need more to support transgender and non-binary people, not invalidate their identities, and not cause them further harm. I'm still learning how to be a better ally, so if you want to join me in learning more about transgender and non-binary identities, check out The Trevor Project's Guide to Being an Ally to Transgender and Non-Binary Youth. It's an introductory educational resource that covers a wide range of topics, including the differences between sex and gender, and shares best practices on how to support transgender and non-binary people. To all the people who now feel that their experience of the books has been tarnished or diminished, I am deeply sorry for the pain these comments have caused you. I really hope that you don't entirely lose what was valuable in these stories to you. If these books taught you that love is the strongest force in the universe, capable of overcoming anything, if they taught you that strength is found in diversity and that dogmatic ideas of pureness lead to the oppression of vulnerable groups, if you believe that a particular character is trans, non-binary, or gender fluid, or are gay or bisexual, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you in any time in your life, then that is between you and the book that you read, and it is sacred. In my opinion, nobody can touch that. It means to you what it means to you, and I hope that these comments do not taint that too much. Love always, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. You can find us on Instagram at Hold My Butterbeer Pod, on Facebook at Hold My Butterbeer Podcast, and you can email us at Hold My Butterbeer Pod at gmail.com. 